this Sunday mornings of the year, but good to see you. I'm excited about this morning. We're going to mix it up and um, have some discussion at our table. So it's kind of like small group format a little bit um, mixed in with, with I'll be talking about the story. We'll, we'll be reading through it together. But before we dive in, we have two questions that we want to talk about at our tables. And we'll spend about five minutes on each one. So the first question is this. Did you ever, did your parents or someone, el- someone else ever give you an especially wonderful gift? I think like the best gift you ever got. And how, what, what did it feel like to receive that gift when that happened? So uh, five minutes. Think about that. Think about the best gift you ever got. Talk about it. And then we're going to have another question after that. Ready? All right. I hope I, I interrupted any really great stories there. Um, but isn't it, it kind of it's heartwarming to remember the great gifts we've gotten, right? It was cool hearing those stories around our table. Second question is, is rather different from the first. It is, have you ever gotten really lost or lost someone else? If you're a parent um, or, you know, someone, have you ever either gotten really lost or lost somebody? For a, for a while. And think about what that experience was like when that happened to you. All right? So about five more minutes. Talk about that question. Maybe take like one more minute and wrap up those stories. I know we got a lot of good lost stories here. All right. Well, you hear some good stories there? Any, any strong emotions rising up this morning and thinking about great gifts and the experience of being lost? Those are two pretty intense emotional experiences. We're going we're gonna to read this story this morning that talks about both of those emotional experiences. And I'm going to pray for us before we, we go any farther. Let's, let's really ask, ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, thank you that you are here with us. Lord, thank you that your, your word is alive, and you are alive, and you have something to say, and, and things that you want to accomplish, things you want to do in our hearts and our lives this morning. Lord, we invite you to come and, and have your way, and really just lead us into the fullness of life that you have for us. We trust you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to read this not short story. So we're going to take a few minutes and just read a couple minutes, read through this story um, from Luke chapter 15. And if you want to, there are a couple of handouts on your tables. If you want to look along or it'll be on the screen, um, then we're going, to, we're going to discuss it or talk through it after we read it. But it's a familiar story, typically known as the, the parable of the, uh, the prodigal son. Um, but we're going to talk about why maybe that's not the best title for this, this story. But starting in Luke chapter 15, the setting is this. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, those were the, the really religious leaders, the, relig- the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, 
this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So this is important. The context of the story is you've got two kinds of people. You've got the, the overt sinners, tax collectors and, and sinners, those that had a reputation, that were living a lifestyle that was known to be a lifestyle of overt sin. And then there were these religious leaders, the Pharisees and teachers of, of the law. So in response, in verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. And he actually tells three parables, or three stories with a point to them. And we're going to skip, we're not going to read the first two. The first one is, is the story of a lost sheep. The second one is a story of a lost coin. And both of these stories, uh, the sheep is lost, the coin is lost, and the owner of that thing searches diligently to find what was lost. And then Jesus goes to, to the third story, which is, often called the prodigal son, but it would be better called the parable of the lost son or the lost sons. And so let's, let's read this. In verse, verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. It's interesting. He just said, Okay. You're asking for your inheritance? I'll, 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 here, I'll divide it up right now and give it to you. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. It's party time. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. His father ran to his son threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. His father cut off his I'm so sorry speech. The father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Man, it's, it's one of the most joy-filled scenes in all of Scripture, I think, right here. This, this lost son at the end of his rope, squandering everything that had been generously given to him, coming back to his father in humiliation and his father embracing him and, and 
bringing him back into the, the, the family fully. And, and not quietly, not, and there's no, like, no lecture. There's no shame on you. There's just the celebration that the lost son has been found. But that's not the reaction of, of one of the family members. In, in verse 25, we read, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. But the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Two very different responses to the younger son coming back. Um, actually, we're going to do a couple more questions at our table. And you don't have to all answer these, but uh, maybe, maybe one or two of you answer each one. Think about this. Two questions. What does this story tell us about ourselves, about human nature, about what we're like? And what does this story tell us about God? Uh, let's take two or three minutes and talk about that. Awesome. Yeah, I think we can all relate to, to probably both sons to some degree. Um, I think we can all relate to the first son. We've all either been there or are there and hopefully have come to a place of seeing where that doesn't work out. Um, but, and, but it's so amazing how God is faithful and comes through in those places. Yeah. Oh, Judith, come on. Wow, thanks, Judith, for sharing that. That's so, I mean, so timely. Um, it's amazing that that just happened two days ago, and it's nothing. A lost child. It's there's they're so vulnerable, too. You think like the six-year-old girl walking around a tough neighborhood, and but the mercy and protection of God coming through. Yeah, um, I love it. Well, we want, really want to talk about the character of the father in this story, because that's the that's the rep, the father represents God, as as I think we all picked up on. Um, and it's interesting when the, the, the story is usually called the story of the prodigal son. And a lot of times we think the word prodigal means rebellious or wayward. But that's not actually what prodigal means. And actually, um, the word prodigal means recklessly extravagant. And so in this story, that son is recklessly extravagant. 
he's taking his whole inheritance and he's just spending it recklessly. Um, but God, or the Father, is a recklessly extravagant figure in this story as well. Um, there's a, the definition of prodigal is it's wastefully or reckless, recklessly extravagant, as in a prodigal expenditure. You spend something just very recklessly. Um, or giving or yielding profusely or lavish. So someone who's prodigal with money is someone who's just very, very generous, who gives lavishly, gives profusely of their resources to others. Um, or lavishly abundant, profuse. We could talk about nature's profuse or nature's prodigal resources. And so we see in this story that the father has, he is, he is quick two times to take his resources and prodigally share them with his son. Undeservedly so in both times. But he is, it's not about holding on. A lot, a lot of times we think that uh, we can think of God as a tightwad. I was at our, my story, I thought about a couple of gifts my parents had given me and when I was a kid and they were both great gifts and part of what was so amazing about it was that my parents were really careful with money and so when they gave this generous gift it, it really spoke volumes like wow like they think that highly of me that they're gonna buy give me a horse and that was one of the gifts they they got me a horse and like wow that's that's i can't believe my parents did that for me and we we can oftentimes think of god as kind of a tight one like he's got all he's got lots of resources but we we have to really like scratch and claw and like prove something to get them. But actually God's nature is he's a prodigal God. He's very generous. He's a God of abundance. Um, the son asked for his share of the estate. The father didn't argue. And the reason for that is that the father viewed the inheritance as something that flowed naturally from the family relationship. The family relationship is what really mattered. And because you're part of the family, there's an inheritance that flows from this family relationship. Of course, the wealth of the family was his. He saw the property as already belonging to his son. It wasn't something he had to, like, claw for, but in the same way with us, God sees an inheritance for us that he already has, when we're adopted into his family, he, want, he has given it to us, and he has given us everything we need. Um, the problem wasn't that the son wanted an inheritance. It was that it was his motive for what he wanted the inheritance for. And the way he wasted his inheritance, that was, that was a problem. So this is a story about a prodigal God, really an abundantly, lavishly, extravagantly generous God. And you know, I just, this week, thinking about this story, it was just so good. Like, oh, man, I, I, need, I need my mind to be renewed, to... to Think of God this way, because it's so easy for me not to think of God this way. And so it's a story about a prodigal God. It's also a story about two lost sons. Both of the sons in the story are lost. And the first son, it's, it's obvious that he's lost. The second son is lost as well, but it's not so obvious. Um, and so we think about the, you know, this, this, the context of the stories we, we mentioned earlier was there were two, two categories of people gathered around, the sinners and tax collectors and the religious experts. And the religious experts were upset 
that Jesus was a friend of sinners and generous to sinners. And Jesus is telling this story, speaking to both groups of people, that he is the prodigal God for both types of lost sons. The obviously lost son and the not-so-obviously lost son. He's there for them. Um, and we can be, so there are, there are two ways of being lost. But first of all, just that lot, it's really important. And I think it was good that we talked about that, our experiences of being lost or losing something. Because there's, there's I don't know of anything I've experienced in life as intense as being lost. Or there was a time when, when our, our son, four or five years ago, we were in the, we were in the woods um, east of Yosemite in unmarked wooded like logging trails camping and he was about 14 years old at the time I think and he wandered off and got lost and there were a few hours of us and just in the woods like nobody around except for one kind of I had seen this sketchy looking camper like down this other logging trail so there was this the, the one fear was like oh shoot like I hope he's not down there but all the fears and all the, the, the intensity of that experience was very real for, for the, me and my other kids who were with me, and then for Cade, who was lost. Like, that was an incredibly intense experience. And so it's good for us to think about, like, that's how God views us in, in, our, in our brokenness, in our sin. It's not just like, oh, shame on you, you're so bad. But it's, Oh, my son, my daughter is lost. This is a desperate situation that I care about, and I am com completely committed to finding my sons and my daughters that are lost. That's really, really how he views us in our lostness. So there, there are two ways of being lost. We can be lost like the younger brother by being bad. Um, we can be lost by, by valuing immediate pleasure above everything else. We can be lost by using what our Father has given us selfishly without valuing relationships or anyone else and just it's all about our immediate gratification. And that's really what's wrong with a lot of, of the obvious sort of uh, obvious sins, sexual immorality, gluttony, lust. It's, it's, the, it's the pleasure that we want immediately for ourselves disconnected from a relationship, for a committed family relationship. That's what makes it broken. That's what makes it sinful. It's this take it and run kind of mentality. Um, we'll think about the consequences later. And so that's the, you know, the, the obvious sins of laziness, irresponsibility, gluttony, sexual immorality, selfish indulgence. This would be the, the dark side of Aggieville, right? That's the, the first way of, of being lost. Um, and again, it's at the root of it, it's the younger son saw the inheritance as the goal, saw the, the pleasure and the, the resources as the goal, higher than membership in the family. So he had this membership in a great family, but he valued the inheritance over membership in the family. He saw his relationship with his father as the means of getting to an end. He saw that the money would enable him to have the life that he wanted, to do what he wanted. And so in the end, that, that way of being lost caused him to be separated from his family. 
and the relationships that, that were much more important. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's easy for us to, to, to be that way as, as well. We can, we can come to God um, in order to, to get what we want. We're really like, like that younger son. It's like we want the inheritance. We, maybe we, we pray or say, God, you know, I, 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 you know just, this is what I want. But it's really just using our Father for this immediate experience that we're after. Um, so that's, that's the first way of being lost. But the second way of being lost is, is just as, as lost. It's being lost by being good. We can be lost by being bad. We can be lost by being good. And that's the, the older brother. And I heard at this table, I think it's probably a question at all of our tables, like, hey, are you more like the younger brother or the older brother? And I think most of us, like, we tend to be one or the other. Like, we, sometimes we're, we, we definitely, all of us have been the younger brother, and probably most of us have been the older brother, too. But maybe we have, we tend to be in one place rather than the other. I think, I, I tend to be the older, older brother, and I am the oldest brother in my family. I think that can, that can play into things, too. Um, I think also the longer you've been a Christian, the more likely that you are to fall into the place of being lost in the way that the older brother was lost. It's, it's religion and you know, familiarity can lead us into that place. So the older brother, what does that look like? Um, you know, he didn't really get the value of being in a family, his membership in his family, any more than the little brother did. His, he, was, he, was, he was doing the responsible stuff. He was working hard. He was being diligent. Not breaking the rules. But it was because he wanted the payoff for that. And there's a payoff that comes from being good, right? There are rewards. There's, there are good consequences that come. And you can feel good about yourself for being good. And so that was where the older brother was. Um, he was obsessed with working, with saving, but ultimately with, with getting what, what was his. And so if the, the dark side of of the younger brother is, is the dark side of Aggieville. I think the dark side of the older brother is, could be the dark side of grad school, right? It's just like the intensity, you just gotta work, you gotta be more dedicated, just sucked into that obsession and feeling like, oh, I have to do this, but it's ultimately because there's, there's a payoff that I'm, that I'm in it for. Um, so he thought that he'd be, by being good, he'd be rewarded, but, by, with his reputation, that's going to be one thing we're rewarded with. How do people think of us? With wealth, the favor of the Father, etc. Um, and so, man, it's important that we see that the act, seeking the accolades of responsibility, success, can be just as sinful as, as spending our inheritance on prostitution. Like, it can be just as selfish as, as that. Um, at least the younger brother was up front about what he wanted. Right? I mean, it's a little more honest, actually. Like, okay, he's, he's not hiding how he's living. But with the other kind of lostness, it's easier to, to be deceptive about what's actually going on in our heart. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I mean, I've, I often find myself in that place. Like, man, how come everybody else isn't working as hard as I am? How come, you know, it's just like this frustration that comes. And, but the, really the sense of, like, it's not valuing the right things. Um, all right. Is this making sense? Two ways of being lost. So, what do we, what, what is the, what do we need to, 
to understand to come out of this lostness. Uh, I want to look at just a couple points from this story. This is so important for us to understand. The first is that our inheritance from God is received, not earned. Man, let's just let's just chew on that. Like that's we should be like celebrating just this reality. Our inheritance from God is received as a gift, not earned. Now this is the, the miracle of Christianity. This is the incredibleness of the gospel. Is that what God has for us is not something that we earn by being good or anything else, but it's a gift that our Father freely gives us. It's really interesting, the idea of inheritance is, is a big idea in the Bible. It's, it's mentioned 292 times. So there's this idea that there is an inheritance that God has for us. An inheritance is something that you don't earn it. It's, it's a gift just because you're part of, part of a family. Um, and so the father, when, when the son asked for the, the younger son asked for the inheritance, the father probably, he knew this guy, right? He knew his son. He knew there was a pretty good chance that he wasn't going to manage that well. But he gave it to him anyway. Because our inheritance is, is received, not earned. Um, there, and even when, when the son came back, the, when the father adopted him into the family, or not just adopted him, but welcomed him back, a lot of Bible scholars or people who break this down and understand and really study the culture, of ancient Israel, Israel would say that probably what was happening was that not only was he saying, okay, you can come, like, be here, but you have, we're dividing the inheritance with you again. So that a, now, again, a third of what is in the family is yours. Because it's not something you earn, it's something that is a gift. So no wonder older bro was pretty ticked off, Right? Because it's like, wait, I've been working hard for all this. And now you're like, you're bringing him back in. And you're giving him a place in our family. Like, that's, that's that, that he, was, he didn't like that. But what God has for us is not something that we earn, but it's something we receive. And it's, it's well, the things that we want, the things that are in our hearts that we want, what God has, it's just a matter of asking. And coming to him with faith and saying, God, God, I, I'm trusting you for what you have for me. We're going to come back to a little more what that what that looks like. Um, the second point is that God's desire is to restore us to a place in His family, no matter how lost we have become. That is so good. God's heart for us, His desire is to restore us to a place in His family, no matter how lost we have become. Um, even after the father gave his inheritance, he wasn't really thinking about the lost resources. He was thinking about his lost son. And the imagery of that story is, is that the, the father was sitting there kind of watching the horizon. Just like those of us that have been separated from a child or a sibling. Like, you can't think about anything else except that lost child. And that's what was on dad's mind. Like he's day in and day out. He's thinking about his son, praying for him, watching the horizon. When, is, when will he come back? And so when, when he sees him, he runs out to greet his son. And actually, that the, the original listeners of the story would have been scandalized by that because a father, 
a uh, the head of the household, an aged man, would never have, have, that would have been a very humbling act to actually run out, to lift up his robes and run to his son. Like, that was just something that was beneath the dignity of, of the head of a family. That would be kind of like, maybe like President Trump saying he was sorry for something, right? It just like, just doesn't happen. It's just like not, not you know, not the dignity of how he perceived the office to happen. And I, I like a lot about President Trump, so not, not bashing him. But it's just like that doesn't fit. So there was this, his desire was so strong to restore his child to a place in the family. Um, the, 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 even the tense of the verb, when it, it's indicating that the father was, was looking for his son to come home. Um, and there's this, the pictures, the imagery of him giving him a robe, giving him a ring, giving him shoes. Those were things representing the best in the house. And a ring was a symbol of, of authority. And it, like, this is the identity of you're a member of this household. And you can do business on behalf of our household. Um, Shoes. Slaves went barefoot. They wouldn't have shoes, but a son would have shoes and be. He was brought back, not just as like, okay, yeah, we, you know, we got to take care of you, but no, you're fully restored to full-fledged membership in our family, and that's that's God's desire for us. It's not it's not really about the stuff, but it's about being adopted into His family with Him as our Father and that kind of relationship, and and with one another. Um, he said, I love how he says in verse 32, the Father when he's answering the older son, he says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. We had to do that. I mean, that's, we had to restore him. That's, that's God's desire. And, you know, really this comes down to this is what God has done for us in Christ. That each of us are lost or we're lost. And God is the God of great expenditure who gave the greatest gift, his very best, poured out for us so that we could be reconciled from God in our lostness. And that's important for us to see. And this is kind of the third point here is that the Father spent a ridiculously extravagant amount for us in Christ. We think about how crazy he's like, well, really? The Father's going to like give his estate not just once, but twice to this irresponsible son. But what the Father has spent on us is infinitely more than what the Father in that story did. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, we're told that, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So the father actually gave his son a lamb without blemish or defect. Invaluable. Gave him freely so that we could be restored. And even in that story, the picture of salvation, I love this picture of salvation that the son is invited into. It's a feast. It's a lavish celebration. And in that, it's a picture that the salvation that God gives to us, this, this just expensive, valuable inheritance that God gives us, is first of all, it's experiential. And I'm taking this um, from the book, Tim Keller wrote a book called Prodigal God. 
and he, he lays this out. Salvation is experiential. So a lot of times we think of it, salvation is just like, okay, you know, I pray a prayer, and it's a transaction kind of, that now I know when I die, I'll go to heaven. So it's kind of this, this legal thing. And that's true, but in, it's ex- but in the story, no, it's this full orb experience of this lost, destitute son being brought into the family with this great, tasty feast. I mean, I was at the Equifest in Salina yesterday where Brant Skinner was doing ranch rodeo and walking around cowboys and ranchers, and, and we, there were food trucks, and I don't know, but something about eating a cheeseburger outside on a nice day, it was just like, oh man, like, this life is good. Like, this just tastes better outside. And, and this is, that's, there's the experience of it, like, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. What he brings us into is not just in our head, but it's an experience that he brings us into. It's material. It's not just like, okay, there was, there was a, our salvation is not just spiritual, but it affects our material life. And it's not to say, like, okay, follow God so you can get rich and have money, but it, there is a tangible result in our everyday life, in, in, in our earthly experience. And we see that in that story. It restores things tangibly. The word salvation in the Bible, it talks about sozo. It's talking about wholeness of our, not only our spirit, but our souls and our bodies and becoming fully who we were meant to be. It's in earth life becoming this, this full orb experience and a material salvation that, that we experience, not only after we die, but we ex- begin to experience it now. Salvation is individual. You know, that, that feast was, was there, and that, that younger son, he, it was available for him as soon as he came back to dad. But it wasn't until he came back to dad that he would experience it. And the same is true for us, is that God's salvation is available. But we have to turn from our sin and turn to God to experience it. And that salvation was available for an older brother. But he didn't experience it because he didn't approach his father with that same heart of faith and coming to him. So it's individual, but it's also communal. Is that it's not only individual, but it's this, this communal celebration. It's a bunch of people together coming into a family experience. And that's the same, such a great picture of the salvation and the inheritance that God brings us into. Is it's, it's for us, but it's also bringing us into a family. So, man, just so much good stuff here. Um, what's our application? You know, maybe, maybe God's helping us today to see Him in a way that's new to us. Maybe we've seen Him as as a stringent father, but God is wanting us to see him as a prodigal God, an abundant God, a God who has all the resources and they're freely available to us as we approach him. Uh, maybe we're realizing, man, I'm lost. I'm separated from my father. Maybe I'm lost by being bad. Maybe I'm lost by being good, but I'm separated from him. And God is wanting us to see that he's paid the price for us and he's inviting us to, to come to him and experience the salvation the experience that he has for us. And so I just want to, we're going to um, take, a, take a little time again at our tables and just give it a chance to, to, to digest this a little bit.
and then to share with your table. What, how does this apply? Um, if you want to, no pressure. But two questions to talk about. Um, what's the biggest takeaway for you from the story today? And then, would you like prayer for, for anything? So we're going to take 10 minutes um, or so. All If it seems like we're done, then we'll wrap it up quicker. But take about 10 minutes and just talk about what's your biggest takeaway application from this? And then is there anything you want prayer for? And if so, just take, take a minute and pray for one another at your table. All right? Hey, Sean. <clears throat> What's up, guys? Hey, Sean, we're going to pray for your family. Would you want to come out here? Be part of that? Let's send you guys off. Reagan, we're going to pray for the Griffins. I don't know if you want to come in. Or, okay. Yeah, you can come. All right, throw those on. All right. How about, how about Jesus, man? How about that story? Isn't that just, I love how that's the reality of what God presents to us, what Jesus presents to us about what God is like, what he invites us into. Uh, anybody encouraged? Encouraging stuff? Yeah, so good. Well, we got one special moment uh, this morning, special and uh, exciting but sad moment. Our dear friends, the Griffins, are moving to Texas, and um, Kunita, Raya, Sean, you want to come on up? And Javon is already there starting his new job, and this kind of came about pretty quickly, but they're loading up a truck this Friday, and Javon and Kunita and Ryan and Sean have been the oldest, longest members of Bluemont um, since Sean was like a baby. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So we just, we really want to send them out with our love and just blessing and um, just pray for them and look forward to hearing how God goes before you and makes your way straight in Fort Worth and uses you there. So anything on your heart? <laughs> Reagan saw Quinita in the lobby and she just started crying. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, I have something. Like, um. <laughs> like I said, I feel like I, I grew up here. I mean, I, got, I came here. I was 
21 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. When I started first stationed in Kansas in the military, got stationed here. Uh, I'm a first, have my children here. And, um, and just the way that God kind of led us to Beaumont was just so awesome. I remember when Ryan was born, it was like one of my things that I need to take up as a mom. I have to teach, I have to grow up in the church. I need to find a church and going on my church tours, tours and how I, well, Raya <laughs> led us to Beaumont. That's mm. a fun story if you ever want to hear that. Um, like how like I let her lead me to this church home and just going from living room and mm. us. I like the story of just me and Tom and one other guy <laughs> to this one. I like that story because it's just like, this is my my family. I've seen people grow up here and leave and venture out. And so I'm sad that I'm actually excited because I, I mean, I know that this is a new chapter for our lives. I mean, I'm praying for, you know, you know, to find another place that we can feel as his home. I'm trying to figure out how I can drive every week. Like, like, can I get you to like once a month? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how to leave here. Well. And yeah, but I love every every soul I've encountered at Beaumont, and uh, I've actually been reaching out to some past people. Like, hey, you guys still there? Because I'm coming. Just because I, I encountered them here in this church, and I know that's a, mm. a, a soul mm. attachment there. I like to call it soul attachment. Mm. And I'm just so grateful and honored and thankful and blessed. And yeah, maybe I can start my own blue mod. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a real thing. I don't think that's my calling. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Gone but not forgotten. We're not going to be gone forever. We're always going to come back yep. here. So. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. And there are a lot of good churches in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. Oh, so no. Trust. <laughs> Put you in the right place. Yeah. yeah. So we just want to pray for them together as yeah. a family. And this was spontaneous, actually. We just kind of wasn't planned until we realized in love. Oh, this is the last Sunday. But would there be one or two other people who just want to come up and stand and maybe stand with us, pray something over the Griffins? Yeah. All right. Hey. Here we are, one, two. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so let's just, let's just all agree together for God's blessing. And if you guys have something on, when you're ready, just grab the mic. <clears throat> Father, we just bless you for this beautiful family. We just praise you that you pursued yes, and that um, they have your inheritance, Father. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is within them and that wherever they are, you are and we are because we're all one. We thank you that we get to spend eternity with them. Yes. <laughs> and um, God, that you are an amazing God, amazing Father, who gave amazing gifts. Lord, we just pray that you would be their focus and you would continue to be their passion. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we bless them yes, in God. Jesus' name. Amen.
God, we thank you for this family. Um, bring them here and train them up, God. We just thank you yes, so much for them um, as they filled our lives with joy. Um, uh, we know that you're going to be with them, Father, and we just thank you for training them up and sending them out, Father, and we pray that you bring back to them the memories that they had here um, and that they can always go somewhere and be with you, Father, and that there's there's always another church family and there's more believers out there that they can make great friends and just and grow um, mm-hmm. with other people and bring what they've learned here to a new community, Father, um, that they're so unique in all their ways that they can um, just share your love in their own special way to others down there in Texas, God. We just thank you so much for them mm-hmm. and um, all the great things that they're going to do and the fun they're going to have and the warm weather they're going to enjoy and not miss the cold out here and mm-hmm. all the new friends. Father, we thank you for that. And, um, yeah, we love mm-hmm. them so much in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that you take us from, uh, from grace to grace, strength to strength, glory to glory. Lord, thank you that there, we even just believe there's a new era in the Griffin family that's even brighter than the past era. And Lord, we, we trust you for that. We trust you to bring them even fully into your purpose for them in this season of their lives. We pray for that for them as a family, that they would grow closer to you, closer to one another. We pray that for them individually, that each of them would grow closer to you, closer to one another, and come more fully into your purpose and the, the blessing you have for their lives. So we bless them. Lord, we trust you to go before them, shine your face upon them. And lead their way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right.